Fraser, and this is Charlie Bradford. Loud. loud loud but lovely welcome back to the Midas touches we know that we've been on a two-week hiatus but we're back and we're going to be back with a bang looking ahead at the drf as the uh, racing people have been calling it over the last couple of weeks the dublin racing festival which is aside to cheltenham one of the big meetings of the year but before that Let's look back at the last time we met and what's happened since then. Had the rearranged Clarence House Chase at the weekend, uh, which was incredible. Um, We would, though, first like to apologise to a special person on Twitter who's been haggling us for not being around. We are sorry. Uh, What was it that was keeping us off the pod? Uh, various different things. We were, we were both pretty busy. I was up in Manchester for a, for a fair bit of last week uh, for work. And then I was also at Darren Brown. I can't tell you a thing because he told me to keep it all a secret, but it was really good and would highly recommend anyone to go watch it if you are into, well, anything really. If you're into anything, go watch it because it's very, very good. Did you ask him for like a million subscribers on Apple and Spotify podcasts? He's not like a genie. <laughs> Well, I heard that he cured someone's back pain before. Was that the show we went to? Yeah. yeah no, he also good. cured someone's tinnitus as well. I think it was only temporary, so we'd only get a million subscribers temporarily. It's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, we could screenshot it and pretend it was forever. We are also marching quickly towards the 9th of March, our live Cheltenham preview at Room 43 in London. A couple of words on that very exciting perfect as am i we have already announced that we are going to be joined by jess stafford racing tv's jess stafford and george daly who is currently the assistant trainer to nikki henderson who as we all know is the trainer of the champion constitution hill not that he's and of course a friend of the podcast obviously a friend of the podcast goes without saying goes without saying uh we also Oh, yesterday did our live Instagram for the first time, which wasn't on racing, but was that was in fact on cooking. It was. I, that was on Sunday, wasn't it? That was yesterday. Jeez, was it yesterday? No, it wasn't. It could well have been on Sunday. Yeah, I think <laughs> it might have been Sunday. You're really, you're really trying to confuse me here. Uh, it was on cooking. I showed people how to make something with onions <laughs> it was a thai green curry yeah there you go thai green curry um it was it, well, it was going all right but i don't think i don't think people were that interested maybe they want to hear about the racing no maybe but it was interesting there. because we kind of had like people drop in and be very confused and then we stopped and they were like can you do it again so i don't know it's just like mixed signals from mm, start to finish mm. basically yeah, maybe we stick to the to to previewing horse racing though. I, I think that's what we're best at, you know. Stick to what you know. Yeah, and then occasional cooking videos. <laughs> yeah, fine. 
Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's let's talk about the racing. The Clarence House Cheltenham was a huge, huge fixture. Obviously, the the Clarence House usually taking place at Ascot, but rearranged because of cold weather. That Cheltenham card was hyped up like nothing else, and punters probably did quite well with um, with editor Dejit winning the big race. There were some really, really unbelievable races throughout the card, though. What was your highlight? Um, I think that, yeah, the Clarence House was a very, very good race, actually. Uh, editor Jeet is a horse who probably up until now hasn't had enough credit. Um, certainly this season has, has performed really well without necessarily getting the plaudits. But I think this would definitely um, now put uh, him into contention. Uh, and... I think uh, Edwardson was really impressive, nonetheless, in that race. I like he got his nose in front at one point, and uh, Edwardson did really well to battle back. Uh, Edwardson came from a long way back there, so so he's he's definitely one to keep on side still. Um, I, I think he's a very very honest horse, and he's a very very good um, chaser as well. So he, he's one to to look out for. I think the highlight for me though has got to be the nutcase that is a horse and you're getting back to winning yeah. ways. I mean that horse like. When he wants to turn it on, he he's actually really, really good. You know, he beat Brave Man's game last year, of course, who we know. Uh, you're right, Tris. You you bored of my um my talking? No, I was just trying to find a message. So keep talking. Okay. Um. Yeah, Ahoy Senor is a is a brilliant, brilliant um horse on his day. Though his jumping can be a bit crazy. Uh, he was he was sort of throwing his legs out uh over those fences. But uh, a very poignant win, of course, for Lucinda Russell, um, who, who lost her father that week. So, um, yeah, thoughts are with the with the team, of course. And that was a very special winner for them, I, I'm sure. Yeah, it was. It was also a special winner for Ollie Bell, who came on the podcast for Boxing Day when Ahoy Senor was running in the King George. That day, Ollie put up Ahoy Senor at 20 to 1. I sent him a message on Sunday night saying, love that you stuck to your guns. And he just replied saying, I fucking knew. <laughs> <laughs> well, he um, knew. He knew. But he knew too soon. So. Yeah, he did. He knew too soon. Well, to be fair, he may well have had a couple of quid. I know that he, he backed it in the... Uh, that you know the the challenge the presenters do he had a always send your oh the twenty pound challenge yeah the yeah, twenty yeah, pound yeah, challenge yeah, absolutely um so he's a happy happy chappy Epitont, uh a unbelievably impressive performance but quite difficult to say uh, if that puts her any closer to Constitution Hill in the pecking order yeah I mean back back to winning ways which would have been important for her and as you say uh still quite hard to judge whether that will put her any close to Constitution Hill. Of course, she's been behind Constitution Hill the last twice before that. So, um, yeah, it was it was good to see her winning again. She's actually she's a nice horse. Like she's a very likable uh, mare. So so good to see her win. But whether she's you know this will you know be a be a springboard, I guess to 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 beating Constitution Hill. It's unlikely, but you know still happy to see her win. Yeah, she's high class on her day. Clearly a an ex-champion hurdle winner. It just looks as though that that quality of horse seems to have gone past her. Constitution Hill is just setting new records every single day uh, and is a hugely, hugely exciting prospect for this season as well. Let's 
dig into the racing. We're heading over to Leopardstown just outside Dublin. We actually went there, or I went there, uh, about three years ago, I think, to to watch uh, the, the rugby primarily. But we also went to Leopardstown on the Sunday. It was a great day of racing. I'm sure there'll be lots of listeners who are out there. Uh, we'll start with the 120, just for a little word for this one. Uh, the Nathaniel Lucy and Partners solicitors, 50,000 Cheltenham bonus for stable staff, novice hurdle, two miles and six furlongs for this one. Uh, interesting, American Mike uh, was, you know, a, a very well-touted horse, second in the champion bumper last year. Grange Clear West was a short price favorite last time against Champ Keeley in the, in the Lawless uh, novice hurdle. Champ Keeley then followed up the other day. Uh, sorry, that that sorry. Champ Keeley hasn't run since. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of a different horse that won the um, the, uh, the the Thiestes Chase uh, that runs for the same owners. You have to forgive me there. Um, what I meant to say is, it's th- there's no real sort of high class horse in this race. Uh, that that springs out of you, out at you from the either the Elliot or the the Mullins yard. Uh, have you got a strong opinion in this one? I do not. I do not. I thought by now you'd know better than to to throw novice hurdles at me. <laughs> I'm no good. I'm just no good. Yeah. Uh, I thought that actually the only thing I found interesting, but literally just from a uh, from a factual point of view, was was Nigel Twiston Davis sending one over for the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, I looked back; he hasn't sent many over to Ireland. I don't think, or at least in the last five seasons, he hasn't sent one over to Leopardstown. So, uh, quite interesting that he's he's going over here with a horse that won at Cheltenham last time. Um, that said, definitely leave me out of these races. So, yeah, I'll. Yeah, quiet. it's it's difficult, uh, but it's always taking when the market is trying to go against Willie Mullins. Grange Clare West was well fancied for that race the last day uh, and only has one entry this weekend. So, yeah, it's probably better than that outing. But let's move on to the 155 where Lottie's mouth heads the market in the spring juvenile hurdle. Uh, two miles against this field. Lottie's Mouth is currently 11 to 8 favourite for the Triumph Hurdle as well. Looks really, really high class. Do you think anything else in the field can beat her? Yeah, we're probably not getting off the best start here. I think um, Lottie's Mouth is probably the real deal right here. Um, I mean, a course and distance winner last time out in a grade two. Um, and that Fairy House grade three win the time before. Um, she beat her horse called comfort zone one of joseph o'brien's uh who's since gone on to win two um grade twos so the form there's really strong lossy's mouth looks uh all class as you say she's one to two so it's uh probably a watching brief from me but uh i couldn't think i couldn't find anything to, to take her on either yeah you would have thought there's going to be quite a few punters who are sticking lottie's mouth into their ackers always be careful it's very easy to get stung if you're playing that way. Yeah, I definitely think as well, just a general word of warning, because um, there are, what, three or four shorties uh, over the weekend um, Yeah, I mean. who, like, I think we'll probably cover all of them in this. Uh, very much look as though 
they're almost nailed on for these types of races um but you should watch out because you can easily get your fingers burnt with these ones um that said i like the look of lossy's mouth yeah uh it's it's easy to to have your eyes drawn towards willie mullins runners at the moment given that he is currently operating at a 41 percent strike rate 18 winners from his last 44 runners i mean those stats are just incredible but it means that the market will be protecting itself the bookies will be covering their losses as a result so you're unlikely to get that much value on mullins runners unless you're uh taking interesting angles which brings us on to the 230 which is the irish arkle appreciate it currently heads the market at 13 to 8 dysart dynamo 9 to 4 bambridge at 9 to 2 el fabiolo sixes uh, a cheeky little reminder that he also holds uh, an entry later on on sunday in the labricks novice chase um after that we have sanwar who won the racing post tipped by us on boxing day phil door who was third that day is 12s. Samuel seven to one. Sorry if I didn't say that. Flame bearer sixteens and visionarian who was second in the racing post is twenty fives. Had a bullish report from Peter Fahey <laughs> mid week. I'm handing this one over to you. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tee I'll tee you up actually um, because we did speak about this race at length before the podcast um wanted to try and find the angle here and it's a really really interesting race and a very competitive one as well um i think the sort of the logic that we landed on here was that most of the market principles um are quite unproven as as chasers um basically what's happened is they've gone out into novice chases um where they've been low quality fields and they've absolutely dotted up um you know winning by 25 30 lengths whatever it is basically not having any race of it um and of course that's all well and good and they can show a lot of potential um i'm, I'm talking about the likes here of um el fabiolo dysart dynamo and of course appreciate it as well um and yeah it's all well and good um them just sort of absolutely cantering home but the one issue they will have when they step up into this company is that they've not been put under the cosh at all um and that will perhaps serve them badly in races like this um where they're going to be tested in their jumping because they're going to be going that bit quicker they're going to be put under that much pressure sooner in the race um and yeah i would uh for that reason i think i'd look away from those that don't necessarily have that um chasing form in the book and then we're looking a bit further down in the market and we may just be returning to one that uh that we that we had a couple of weeks ago so tris i will i'll leave the rest of it to you yeah for those of you who haven't quite pieced it together yet we are looking at samois uh it's really interesting i think to look back at the previous results of the uh racing post novice chase uh on boxing day samois obviously comes in here at sevens which seems like a reasonably juicy price for a winner of a grade one last time uh notebook in 2019 won the racing post en route to winning this irish arkle larishberg the same footpad the same duvan the same what we're saying here is 
it seems like Samoa has been underestimated for that grade one win, which was pretty impressive. Mm. Don't get me wrong. You know, yeah. he was checked uh, two fences out, looked as if he was, uh, you know, going to struggle, then went back on the bridle straight away. And after that, it was, uh, you know, there was a lot of confidence in the jockey that uh, that he was going to get the job done and eventually did and was going away at the line. So I, I really do think that the market has underestimated Samoa and uh, for for as good as appreciate it was and potentially still is, he has had that one year layoff, uh, you know, maybe lost some of his gold dust in that. I don't know. And, um, you know, Dysart Dynamo has, has always been one that I've been a bit worried about over fences, given that, you know, he was a bit headstrong over hurdles. So, yeah, I'm quite happy to take the top two in the market on. Maybe I'll have egg on my face, but uh, Samwa seems a good bet. And when we agree, usually they do okay. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we agreed last time with Samwa and we are agreeing again here. I think I think the angle is just that we fully, um, fully understand that, you know, appreciate it could go and actually hose up here because uh, he's a really quality horse and he's got some unbelievable novice hurdling form and is a four-time winner at Leopardstown. But... I'd rather take something that's got some really good chasing form already in the book um, than have a bit of an unknown against another. Exactly, exactly. And I think as long as you stick to that kind of, if you stick to that logic throughout your betting, if you have a logic and you stick to it, then that's when you can start to reap the rewards. If you're sort of chopping and changing, then it's not going to work. Anyway, let's move on to the Paddy Power Irish Gold Cup 305 Galapand de Sean, one of the best jumps horses in training, is four to eleven favourite. Statler nine to two. Kemboy tens. Fury Road fourteens. Any second now twenty fives. The Big Dog thirty threes. Franco Deport forties. Galapand de Sean, God, he's so impressive, isn't he? I mean, the only time this one was, um, was the only time this one in recent times was was beaten was when falling went about 20 lengths ahead and looking like he was going to bolt up in the uh the turner's novice chase at mm. cheltenham bob ollinger picked up the pieces that day but galapand was one of the stars of the week even though he didn't win do you think he just turns up and wins well, well yeah i mean he's he's 13 to 8 or around there for for the gold cup at cheltenham um in march and you've got to think he goes and wins this one. Um, I mean, I thought Statler was impressive on reappearance against uh, Manella Indo, who's obviously a, a former Gold Cup winner um, himself. But um, yeah, I, I think Galapin de Champs definitely a cut above these. Uh, you've got Kemboy in there as well, the old boy who who seems to run really well. In, He's in... got a good run in him. He, no, but, he, but, but he'll, he'll always be be the bridesmaid never the bride i feel like he just he'll just finish second or he'll run a really big race but it, it won't be a first place finish um so maybe you know i mean he's 10 to 1 maybe you look at that but but 11 years old um i i'd be a bit more skeptical um and God, then you time flies it's weird thinking of Kemboy as an old boy isn't it yeah, yeah no 100 percent. it is weird. it is weird i mean kenboy's 11 years old now yeah I mean, he was you know he was knocking around with with the best of them um so yeah i, I think i think galapan's just a bit too good so uh, yeah another one of those shorties that that we think probably on the saturday will go and win um 
yeah, not the most. Well, no, it is actually exciting because he's a class horse and I want him to show it again. Yeah, as do I, as do I. Let's jump on a Ryanair flight and go to Sandown for the Silly Isles novice chase. We're not escaping the Irish here, though, because Jerry Colomb is currently occupying the top of the market for Gordon Elliott at 2-1. to one. Montmorel, 3-1 to one for Paul Nichols. Balco Coastal, we bring up Ollie Bell again. Tip this one on Boxing Day that absolutely bolted up. 10 to 3. Thunder Rock is 7 to 2. Bold Endeavor 7s. Not long till May for Laura Morgan. 25s. Bow to greatness for Ben Pauling, uh, who had a great weekend last weekend. Harry Redknapp was uh, victorious in the cross country chase at Cheltenham. I think. Jerry Colomb looks like a serious horse. Still unbeaten. Uh, Gordon Elliott sends him here uh, as a preference to the the race at uh, Leopardstown, the Labricks Novice Chase. So that's taking in itself that they've got Jordan Gameford jocked up. There is a chance that they still do side for the Leopardstown. Yeah, because c- I was going to say he is still in that at, at like six to one and and looks like quite fancied for that as well. Um, I mean, if he comes over here, he's bringing across some really, really good form. Um, so yeah, I would, I would be a bit worried. I mean, it's a bit annoying of the Irish to come over <laughs> while they got the Dublin Racing Festival going on and then picking up a Grade One at, at Sandown. You can understand it though. If you're the owner, you know it's it's eighty five thousand euros, I think, for the first place for the Labricks Novice Chase, and it's sort of forty forty five k for the Silly Isles. So if you're you know thinking about prize money. Maybe you'll just take the grade one as well, get a bit of clout for winning the Sandown race, and then, you know, next stop, Cheltenham. But the Labrador's Chase is a grade one, no? Yeah, yeah, is in there still, they're both grade ones, but one's easier to win than the other. Oh, I see what you're more like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Well, I, we'll get on to it anyway for the Labrador's Chase, because I actually quite like a horse that, that um, this one beat last time. So, uh, yeah, Jerry Colombo looks good. I was very interested in the fact that, that Ollie Bell was so keen on Balco Coastal last time. Um, didn't necessarily see the angle myself, but clearly the camp was quite um, was quite excited about this one. So stepping up into a grade one now, uh, very interesting. Nikki, Nikki doesn't take that step lightly. So I think probably quite taking that this one goes in here. Um, yeah, I, I have to say I don't... I, I've been been too engrossed in the Dublin Racing Festival and, and all the action over uh, over the RSC to be too interested in this one but I'm, um I'm pretty keen on Jerry Colomb if he lines up here I think Jerry Colomb's a, you know a really really good horse and the the form beating adamantly chosen is really strong adamantly chosen back in October quite comfortably beat visionarian who as we were saying earlier was second in the racing post novice behind Samwa so that's proper form uh, tying in there with with adamantly chosen and Jerry Colomb looks like one that's you know campaigned quite cleverly by Gordon Elliott and it wouldn't surprise me if they're trying to get the easier race here and if they do come the sound down route I think Jerry Colomb will probably win whether or not two to one's a good price for that I don't know can also see a bit of what market weakness as well so 
you know, there's a chance that 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 they do side for Leopardstown. We'll have to wait and see. If Jerry Colom lines up at Sandown, I think he probably wins. Nice. Let's head back on our Ryanair flight. Actually, no, maybe this time we'll jump on a private jet because we've been so successful on day one. (laughs) But either way, Dublin, Leopardstown is the destination. And we're back for the Sunday where we have some more huge grade ones. The Labricks Novice Chase, the Labricks Dublin Chase, the Irish Champion Hurdle and the Ireland Novice Hurdle. Let's jump in with the 140 Labbrook's Novice Chase, which you said you had an angle in. Who? Why? How? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. We were, just talk- we were talking about um, Jerry Colomb there earlier, obviously, for the Sandam race, uh, the Silly Isles. Um, and I quite like the look of a horse that finished second to Jerry Colom um last time out I think it was uh, and that's adamantly chosen um this one as well as finishing close to Jerry Colom has also finished in behind Mighty Potter albeit a bit uh, further behind that one um so so hold some form with the market principles here um and I'm also interested in a bit of form with Visionarian who we were also mentioned uh, on this uh podcast today uh and that one he beat in a grade three at punchestown um and obviously we know that visionary and subsequently went on to finish second in behind samwa um in the racing post novices chase on boxing day so that's some pretty good form that he holds there he's about 25 to 1 for this race um and given he's holding form with a couple of the principles He's beaten Kilcrit as well, who's ahead of him in the betting uh, and has some decent um, form ties elsewhere. I think 25 to 1 looks slightly too big for this one. So, yeah, I quite like the look of Adamantly Chosen. Also Mullins, come on. Yeah, it definitely looks like one of those those fields where they've kind of just stuck the Mullins ones at the top. And if they've won lots of races recently, and there's lots of ones in their recent form, then they're like, y- you guys can go near the top. <laughs> and then if there's slightly more inconsistent results, it's sort of shifted into double figure prices. I agree. I think Adamantly Chosen uh, looks like he definitely has a good chance. Mullins, you, you just can't look uh, away from any of his runners because they'll just go and win. So I think it's only right to, you know, to look for a bit of value. And if you can sneak 25 to one, to one shot into a place, then, you know, you're making some good buck. So, yeah, I like that. Mm. I get, maybe an interesting point. Would you go for Jerry Colom in this race or not if he turns up? Yeah, I think I probably would at that price. Yeah. Yeah. But Fair enough. I find it very hard to fade Willie Mullins, just full stop. Like I would find it difficult putting up a Gordon Elliott horse when there's that many Willie Mullins runners with good chances. It, um, but I think Jerry <clears throat> Colom is is a real horse. It's genuinely unbelievable how like 
how people just run scared of Mullins over an island. This guy is I'm too scared good. Of him. I'm scared of him. <laughs> this guy is too we're, good, mate. We're, we're just talking about yeah, it and yeah. we're scared of I'm him. I'm terrified. Um, he's too good. He strikes about 40% for the entire season. <laughs> and like, that's just not right. Yeah. It's, well, I actually had a really interesting piece midweek uh, from Danny Mullins, who was basically saying that one of Willie's secrets is that he never leaves a stone unturned but he also changes something every year so everyone will come back for the new season and something will be different something quite significant will be different in the yard so he's always one step ahead and it's even more difficult to be leading out in front having a whole pack of people chasing you and still be better than them and apparently that's how he does it he's always one step ahead uh, and yeah he's a genius but a terrifying genius. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps me up at night, mate. I'm terrified. <laughs> and on that note, we'll move on to the Dublin chase at 2.10, where Willie Mullins' favourite Blue Lord is currently 4-11. to 11. Willie Mullins also occupies the second in the market. Gentleman DeMay at 6-1. to one. And then the English have a runner. So Royal for Alan King, 8s. Dunvegan, uh, at 16s and Martin Brazil not the talk sport presenter it has faster law at 50s another shorty for Mullins another shorty in one of the big races Blue Lord is this all about him it's like the third odds on shot that I'm going to say probably wins um, and I usually love taking them on but this race more so than the other races I, I really don't see an angle like Gentleman to me is really disappointed um, since that entry race um, where he beat Edward Stone. And um, I think So Royale is a lovely horse, but just a bit too old these days. <laughs> Sorry, I was filming Charlie. Keep going. Yeah, but it's like seriously off putting. I don't know if you realize that. Um, and then the other two, the other two further down, I can't really recommend. Like, I can't say I was like the biggest Blue Lord fan um, prior to that race last time out in, in December um, when he ran a race against Shakun um, because I think we both put up Shakun for that race thinking that Shakun can just come back and and win that one but um, Blue Lord was seriously impressive then and um, has proven himself as as a as a really really decent performer um, so I would not take him on here no way <laughs> nice a 4 to 11 tip from charlie I'm not let's him, <laughs> let's move break. on to the <laughs> irish champion hurdle at 310 where it is the return of the supermare honeysuckle uh but for the first time since 2020 honeysuckle is actually a reasonable price uh, stateman actually heads the market at five to four for Willie Mullins. Uh, Honeysuckle then 15 to eight. Vauban, who was very exciting last year, winning the triumph is 10 to three. Pied Piper 40s, Zanahir 66 and Takarengo 250 to one, probably has three legs. Uh, Stateman versus Honeysuckle and Vauban, real matchup at the top. Yeah where's your uh where's your virtual money going on this race <laughs> well i just want to take you back to cheltenham last year when state man went and won because 
Um, though this has nothing to do with my analysis, <laughs> and I'm actually going to leave it to you, um, I thought that was one of the best moments uh, of last year, State Man winning that. And maybe more for like... Um, our own vested interests like uh, we, we sort of lined that one up quite early on um as a as a big bet and you just know when willie puts him into one of those um one of those big field handicaps he knows he knows something doesn't well he? it was crazy i mean he, state man had been 10 to 3 all week yeah and paul Townend <laughs> gave him one of the uh most careful rides i've ever seen i think he was like six or seven wide coming into the turn <laughs> yeah. and and literally won like completely doing cartwheels mate <laughs> he was literally doing cartwheels uh and it's it's so funny as well because it's like it literally not a good idea to bet a horse like that like it's no, no it's, it's been so pun- so counterintuitive it's been punted off the boards but you'd also be an idiot to back anything else because I mean, unless it's like a without the favorite market, like his state man's just probably mm. going to win. Uh, but but yeah, it was an exciting moment. And then to go and win a grade one later that season, another impressive mark. However, I really think Honeysuckle is still the real deal. As she gets older, I think you just have to forgive her for that first run of the season. And even though she's usually so deadly in the Hatton's grace, I think I'm going to forgive her. And the fact that this is the first time you're getting close to two to one on probably the second best uh, hurdler over the two miles. I just think, especially getting the weight from State Man as the mares do, I think Honeysuckle has to be the bet here. And she would bring the house down if yeah. she did it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And she she's a, she's a three-time um, winner of this race. Like she is or has previously been really relatively bomb proof and like you say if you're getting two to one nowadays um that's that's really really quite taking um yeah i can probably forgive her as well that atten's grace run just because she is that bit older um yeah i i don't know i think state man's an insanely talented horse um i probably wouldn't have voban um Zanahir isn't going? Why why is Zanahir six six to one? I think we've got to just presume that that, that doesn't go. Okay. I mean he you know there's form there with, with Honeysuckle that wouldn't put Zanahir sixty six to one. But if he doesn't go, he doesn't go. So <laughs> six six one looks like a bad price if he doesn't turn up. <laughs> Sadly I'm none the wiser. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I'd I'd actually love to side with you on Honeysuckle, even even from just a sentimental point of view. Like, she she's she's great. Like, she's great for the spar. She, but she is like, genuinely like seriously speaking, she is great for the sport. Like that relationship she has with with Rachel as well, um, Rachel Blackmore, is is a really special one. And like, it's. The sport, and we say it time and time again, the sport is designed for these kind of like heroes and these like these cult heroes, these horses that that you know turn up and just capture capture the 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 nation's heart. Yeah, and I think you know the fact that it is a a mare with a female jockey. Not that that matters. Rachel Blackmore is an incredible jockey, male or female. Um, has just made the whole story yeah, even greater. There's something poetic about that. Um, 
you know, just two two females doing it in in a sport that had sort of previously been been really dominated by by males. So uh, there there is something really romantic about that, and that, and that's brilliant to see. Yeah, and let's not forget that that sports personality award that she received last year as well to really uh, top things off. Not that necessarily it's as big a deal for Irish people as it is. Well, I'm not even sure it's a big deal for us anymore. No, it's just the Gary I Lineker show. Um, but yeah, she's great. Honeysuckle's great, and hopefully they'll be victorious in the Irish champion hurdle. Let's uh, finish up the Dublin Racing Festival preview with the Tats Ireland Novice Hurdle. And it's fitting that it's another two to five favourite for Willie Mullins. (laughs) As Vasil Vega heads the market, Gaelic Warrior, hugely well touted for that race last year. Punters were beside themselves seething uh, as that got beat. We tipped Brazil as well, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah come <laughs> on. Mate, it, it, yeah, I, I, that was a really satisfying one as well because, like, it's just classic to latch on to a short price. Mu- and, and actually, that's really ironic me saying that because I've been <laughs> tipping them up most of this podcast. But, like, you know, it's just at Cheltenham to get behind a Mullen shorty is just, you know, routine. Yeah. But, but it takes a brave one to take him on. Yeah, Gaelic Warrior comes in here at seven to one, high definition, fifteen to two. What, what, we'll come back to high definition. Dark Raven tens, Il Etiton is tens. That was pretty good. In the pocket <laughs> is tens, as uh, hopefully Owen Farrell will be this weekend. Irish Point tens, American Mike is still in this race at twenty eight at the moment, and no looking back. Will hopefully not be looking back over his shoulder to see a field of horses swamping him <laughs> but it's the most likely outcome because he's the outsider of the lot um is this as simple as Fasal vega just just gets up there and just does the business um, well i can hardly say that well when, when, since i just said that um only only weak people put up short price mullins horses um no, if, if I'm honest, I don't have much of the view on the race. Uh, again, being a novice hurdle, I, I tend to stay away from these ones. Um, Fasal Vega is uh, obviously a horse that we have spoken about a lot on this podcast, um, was, was sort of mentioned as a horse to follow, uh, an unnamed horse to follow at the time um, by Mullins, uh, the dinner you went to last year. Uh, Gaelic Warriors, you say... Um, was very well touted for that Cheltenham race last year and um, came up just ever so short. Uh, and then you got High Definition in here as third favourite, which um, I mean he made a he made a winning start to his his hurdling career, um, which was perhaps somewhat surprising. Um, I mean this horse is like honestly mental. Do you I, you know you gotta you you gotta remember how much hype there was for this horse is like. When he won the he won the Beresford, didn't he? Uh, and like everyone was like, "Oh my god, this thing can't lose the Derby! Like it, it's just gonna win. It's just gonna absolutely hose up in the Derby." Um, and never, never did it. And like, but then sort of completely collapsed as a you know as his career went on. Um, so is he gonna be rejuvenated by a career hurdling? I I don't know, but. Um, 
yeah, it's going to be one I'm going to watch with interest. I will support high definition um, for for those flat racing fans out there, um, but I won't be having a bet. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's an interesting one. I think if I had to be pushed, it would either be Irish Point uh, for me or the uh, aforementioned Il Était Ton, given that uh, that one was only four lengths behind uh, Fasil Vega last time uh, when keeping on and comes in here at 10 to 1 with Fasil Vega 2 to 5. I would say that those two maybe will give you a run for your money, but it's no guarantee. Um, let's leave the racing there. A hugely exciting weekend in terms of rugby as podcast guest Ben Curry gets another England call up. We're both oh, going to be there. We are, we are. Yes. I'm, yeah. Are you going to say something? Or no, 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 no. Um, yeah, I'm really, really excited. Obviously, the kickoff of the Six Nations this weekend. Um, ben gets the call up, which is which is massively exciting. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm, I'm very uh, very proud of of our ex podcast guest and more importantly friend <laughs> Ben um, on the call up. It's uh, it's uh, really well deserved. He's had a great season um, for sale this season, as he has um, many seasons. Um, I think, yeah, I- I'm very excited and a little nervous for the, for the game on Saturday. But uh, but I shouldn't be nervous because um, I have every faith that he'll do very well. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fascinating competition. This in a World Cup year as well. Ireland are the favourites at the moment for the Six Nations at around 11 to 8, 5 to 4. France just short of 2 to 1. England 4s clearly expecting a big rejuvenation after Steve Borthwick's come in. Um, I'm hoping for that as well. I think France have got to be a good bet. They look so strong. Yeah, hold on. (laughs) France are unbelievably good. Yeah, but Northern Hemisphere rugby is just high class at the moment. I think Ireland are a top-rated side in the world. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I actually can't profess to know a hell of a lot about rugby outside of <laughs> the sale games I watch and the England games I watch, and even then I don't know very much. Yeah. But um, from uh, while well, we watched those games against Toulouse, uh, and like that's basically the France rugby team, and they are quality. They're, like, they're so clinical. They really are. Antoine Dupont and um, Roman and Tamak are yeah. next next level. These guys are high quality players, and um, yeah, I think two to one could underestimate their chances. I'd probably have them slight favourites, even though I think Ireland have the slight advantage when it comes to games. They'll be finishing off their title charge with England making oh. a trip to the Aviva Stadium, which will be an epic. Uh, day after Cheltenham as well yeah it's going to be a hell of a weekend it's going to be a hell of a hell of a time this weekend though as well with the Dublin Racing Festival Uh, a lot of sport to look forward to we hope you've enjoyed listening to this we are back and we are back for an exciting 2023 hope you've enjoyed listening it's a goodbye from me Tris and it's a goodbye from me Charlie goodbye